the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN Pinellas Park. WTWD Plant City. WLCC Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Download the Faith Talk Tampa app. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Odyssey. The following program was pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse. Sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. The first principle about ministry for Christ, if you want to minister for Him the way He wants you to minister for Him and not what is dictated by practical considerations is this. Ministry for Christ should always be focused. Always be single-minded. Always have a, a, a clear eye as to what God has called you to do. That's not to say you must be totally single-minded and completely ignore any need outside your calling. But if you don't focus on your calling you'll soon find that you are not fulfilling your commitments or you're not doing them very well. A pastor friend of mine put it another way. He said, if you don't have enough time to do a good job on all your tasks, chances are you're doing something God did not tell you to do. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been serving at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida since 1981. Now his expository, or verse-by-verse teaching ministry, has expanded to radio. We like to call verse-by-verse a Bible class of the air. We will be basing our lesson today and for the next several days on Matthew's Gospel, specifically chapter 10, verses 5 through 15. Our topic is instructions for a short-term mission. In this passage, Jesus gave instructions to the first group of short-term missionaries to go out with his message. Some of his instructions might seem a little strange to us. Let's see what they were and think about how they might apply to us. Here is Pastor Steve. We continue our study today of Matthew's Gospel, so I invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 10, and I want to read verses 5 through 15. Matthew says, these 12 Jesus sent out after instructing them, do not go in the way of the Gentiles and do not enter any city of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you receive, freely give. Do not acquire gold or silver or copper for your money belts or a bag for your journey or even two coats or sandals or a staff, for the worker is worthy of his support. And whatever city or village you enter, inquire who is worthy in it and stay at his house until you leave that city. As you enter the house, give it your greeting. If the house is worthy, give it your blessing of peace. But if it's not worthy, take back your blessing of peace. Whoever does not receive you nor heed your words as you go out of that house or that city, shake the dust off your feet. Truly I say to you, it'll be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. 
Now, with these words, Matthew reveals the instructions, the direct specific instructions that Jesus gave the apostles just before he sent them out on their first preaching ministry tour, really a short-term missions trip. And I want you to notice carefully that these instructions are not only, they don't only include commands that are positive concerning what he wanted them to do, such as speaking only to Jewish people and healing the sick, but they also include some specific things that Jesus forbid his disciples from doing, such as he forbid them to go to the Gentiles. They were not to go to the territory of the Gentiles, nor were they to go to the area of the Samaritans, nor notice verse 9. Let me read verse 9 again. Do not acquire gold or silver or copper for your money belts. Now, according to this, Jesus is forbidding us, forbidding them to bring money on this trip. Now, who would do something like that? When we go on a missions trip, we bring money. So a valid question to ask as we read a portion of Scripture like this is this. How are these verses relevant for us? How are they pertinent for us? Because there's no way that we can follow directly some of these orders given by Jesus. For example, how are we going to limit our witness to Jewish people? How are we going to do that? We can't avoid witnessing to Gentiles, not to mention that we don't even have Samaritans to avoid. So, so how are we going to follow this? And as I said, we wouldn't think of going on a trip, ministry or missions trip, and, and not taking any money, even though Jesus prohibited his apostles from doing this. So how is this passage of Scripture pertinent for us? Well, first of all, we have to recognize that this is given in its historical and cultural context of the 12 apostles as they ministered specifically to Jewish people in the first century. And therefore, we have to recognize that some of these orders don't fit us. They just don't fit us. However, it may surprise you to know that in spite of the historical and cultural considerations, this passage of Scripture is highly relevant for us, highly pertinent for us, because it contains, now watch this, broad and timeless principles about how Christians in every age are to minister, are to minister, especially those who are called into full-time ministry. Now watch this. The core message here behind all of these specific commands and prohibitions is that Jesus wants his men to understand how to minister effectively. This is the first time they're being sent out. They're novices. They really don't know what they're doing. And he's giving them instructions on how to minister in his name effectively. So he tells them such things as who they're to minister to and, and what messages they are, what message they're to give and how they're to conduct themselves financially and things of that nature. He's just laying out principles for the apostles for ministering to the unsafe people of their community. And that's why this passage is so relevant for us. See, we are living in an age in which many Christian leaders and churches tend to establish their philosophy of ministry based more on practical considerations than biblical principles. When a church often decides how to, how to have outreach to their community, what is often uh, of a more important consideration than the Bible are practical considerations. Pragmatism, what works? What's working with other churches? So we'll model it. That's often the, the approach. And the result is that these leaders and their, and their churches tend to, to flounder and struggle moving from one approach to another because they're looking for some winning formula. And when they don't get it, it tends to breed frustration and more 
failure. There's no reason for frustration. There's no reason for failure because in giving His apostles instructions on how to minister, Jesus presented several timeless truths about how He wants us to carry on ministry and outreach. Whether you're a full-time vocational worker or whether you're a believer sharing the Gospel with others, the Lord was revealing in terms of just ageless principles the way that every Christian should carry on ministry. And so all of us, this is relevant for all of us. We need to learn to, uh, to learn these unchanging principles and how they apply to our specific situations. Now, before we look at these verses more, more closely, I, I want to give you a panoramic view of Matthew chapter 10 because now we're really going to get into this chapter and I want to help you to put some things in perspective because if not, you may be confused by Matthew chapter 10 and some have been confused and some have read this chapter and studied it. They've been puzzled. They've been confused. They don't quite understand how to put it together and I'll tell you why. Because while verse 5 tells us that Jesus gave the apostles specific instructions about their specific upcoming ministry, which, as I said, was really a very brief, short missions trip. That's all it was. It was restricted to the Jewish people of the Galilee area. Starting with verse 5, that's what he says. That's what we read. Look, and these 12, Jesus sent out after instructing them. So here are the specific instructions given to them. But notice, there are other parts of this chapter that go beyond their local ministry, that go beyond this brief ministry. There are other parts of this chapter that speaks of things that the apostles did not experience until much later in their ministry, after Christ's death and resurrection, after the day of Pentecost, which officially started the, the church age. In other words, Jesus gave them information not only for this present, for their present ministry, but also for ministry that they would carry on in the future. And that's confused some people. For example... Jesus spoke about persecution that they would experience after the day of Pentecost. They didn't experience persecution in the short-term missions, missions trip. Notice verses 17 and 18. But beware of men, for they will hand you over to the courts and scourge you in their synagogues, and you'll be, uh, even be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. Now, this is something that, that didn't happen until later on in their ministry. They didn't even go to the Gentiles in this first term, this first short-term missions trip. So, so this is not a local brief ministry that he's talking about here. Didn't happen until Jesus returned to heaven. And notice verses 21 through 23. Notice this. Brother will betray brother, uh, will betray brother to brother and to death, and a father his child, and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. You'll be hated by all because of my name, but it is the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. But whoever, whenever they persecute you in one city, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not finish going through the cities of Israel until the Son of Man comes. The apostles never experienced anything like this in their first preaching tour. And in verse 23, he refers to the second coming of Christ. Obviously, none of the apostles will still be on earth. They're not on earth now to experience this. So, so we have to understand this chapter. It's, it's not quite as simple as it might appear until you get into this. How are we to interpret this? Well, Here's how we put it together. Here's the answer to this dilemma. We have to understand that when Christ instructed His 12 apostles, there was a local sense, a near sense, as well as a prophetic sense. In other words, Christ's instructions were intended by Him, not only to tell the apostles how to conduct themselves on their first 
preaching ministry to the Jewish people, but also to tell them what they could expect in the future as their witness for him took them beyond the borders of Israel. Here's how one Bible teacher explained Christ's instructions to his men. He wrote, there is a telescoping significance in the passage. Beginning with the limited dispensational preaching of the kingdom to the lost sheep of the house of Israel during this particular mission and until Pentecost, there is a sweep through the entire future of Christ's church from his first coming to his second with his omniscient prophetic eye. Jesus pictures the twelve in their full mission. And then he pictures all those who would continue to represent him throughout redemptive history, including those who will suffer for his sake during the Holocaust in the great tribulation. So what he's saying is it has a near sense and a far prophetic distant sense. We would like to pause briefly to welcome you if you just tuned in. You're listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. In order to really understand Matthew chapter 10 verses 5 through 15, we need to get a handle on how it fits with the rest of the chapter and therefore with the rest of history. Here is Pastor Steve to outline the chapter for us. Now let me, and I would encourage you to write this down because we're going to be in Matthew 10 for a while and it's good to get a handle on the whole chapter. Here's a helpful way to grasp this chapter and put it into perspective. The chapter is divided into three parts. Part one, which is verses five through 15, it's probably even divided like this in your, in your Bible. Five through 15 is Christ's specific instructions for the apostles concerning their first missions ministry. That has a local sense. That's what these men would experience when he sent them out. That's part one. In part two, which is verses 16 through 23, Jesus gives them, gives the apostles a prophetic preview of the kind of response and opposition to the gospel that they and every Christian can expect until Christ returns. That's why he talks about brother betraying brother, father and son and all that. This is, this is the kind of opposition that we can expect. And they could expect. And they did, they did experience this, but not on their first preaching tour. Then in part three, beginning with verse 24, all the way until the end of the chapter, Jesus gives, note this, he gives just general instructions for all Christians about the cost of discipleship as uh, in light of the world's hostile reaction to the gospel that we proclaim. This is what we can expect in light of being his disciples. For example, notice verses 24 and 25. He speaks in general terms. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a slave above his master. It is enough for the disciple that he become like his teacher and the slave like his master. If they have called the head of the house Beelzebub, meaning him, how much more will they malign the members of his household? He's just saying, if they treated me this way, don't expect to be treated any differently as disciples of mine. And then notice verse 27. He said, what I tell you in the darkness, speak in the light. What you hear, whisper in your ear, proclaim upon the housetops. And he says, don't fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul. Discipleship sometimes means that we're going to die for our faith. Notice verses 37 and following. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He goes on to, to speak of, of the loyalty that, that is demanded of us as disciples of Christ, to love Him more than our parents, to love Him more than our, our children. So these are just general instructions about discipleship. Well, that should help you get a handle on the chapter. First, 
local ministry to the apostles. Secondly, it's expanded for all of us as we minister what we can expect. And then for all in the church age, what discipleship is about. And so we can understand that Matthew chapter 10 is really a a chapter that goes beyond just the apostles. And it does have significant implications for all believers because it addresses some serious issues about witnessing to an unbelieving world. But at the very start of their ministry, Jesus wanted the apostles to understand what they were getting into, what this was all about. As I said, they've never done this before. They're novices. This is training for them. He wants them to know what it will cost them. At times, people, he wants them to know, will oppose them. They'll oppose us, even family members. At times, believers will be killed because they represent Christ and the world hates Christ. And as disciples, we're, we're going to face hostility. So much so that we are demanded that we put Christ first in our commitment to Him, even above friends and parents and, and children. So at the beginning of these instructions, verses 5 through 15, we see Jesus sending His apostles out on their first short-term mission, missions trip, and He's giving them several instructions about how He wants them to minister for Him. And that's what we want to look at this week and Lord willing, next week. There are several principles, broad, timeless, ageless principles that our Lord gives here about how you and I are to reach out in ministry. In other words, this is how Christ wants us to minister for Him. These are biblical instructions, biblical principles about ministry in in every age. So folks, I'd encourage you to to take this down. Lord willing, if we have time today, we're going to go through four of these principles, and next week we'll see some more. The first principle about ministry for Christ, if you want to minister for Him the way He wants you to minister for Him and not what is dictated by practical considerations is this. Ministry for Christ should always be focused. Always be single-minded. Always have a, a, a clear eye as to what God has called you to do. Notice verses 5 and 6. These 12 Jesus sent out after instructing them Do not go in the way of the Gentiles. Do not enter any city of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, the first thing that Jesus told his disciples, his apostles, was that their ministry was to be exclusively directed towards Jewish people, whom he called the lost sheep of the house of Israel. These were the same Jewish people that Jesus had seen on his recent tour of Galilee. Remember how chapter 9 ended? It ended in, with verse 36 through 38 saying that seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. In other words, they were dejected. They were down. They were like abused sheep because no shepherd was taking care of them. And so Jesus is sending his men out now to those same people to shepherd them. They broke his heart and he wants his men to minister. But in doing so, He forbids them to go to territory, to area that belonged to the Gentiles, meaning that they were not to to head north beyond the borders of Israel and what would be now modern-day Lebanon and, and Syria. They were not to go east across the Sea of Galilee. To go to the other side of the sea is to go into Gentile territory. Nor were they allowed to enter Uh, any of the villages of the Samaritans. Now, who were the Samaritans? Some of you know, some of you are not familiar with the term Samaritans. They were a group of people that resulted from mixed marriages as well as mixed religious beliefs. 
These marriages were between Jews and Gentiles, and they established a, a new people that took some things from Judaism and some things from paganism, and they created a whole new religious system. They were despised by Jewish people, and they despised Jewish people. This all took place uh, after Israel's captivity during Old Testament times, but now they were a people group, and they had their own area in Israel. The Samaritans lived in an area sandwiched between Galilee in the north and Judea, towards the south. That, by the way, today is part of the well-known West Bank in Israel. When you hear on the news the West Bank, it is, it is new, in New Testament times, it is Samaria. And so Jesus made it very clear to the apostles that he wanted them to remain in the general vicinity of Galilee and to minister only to those Galilean Jews. Now, why? Why did he do this? Well, first of all, keep in mind, this command does not mean that Jesus was opposed to evangelizing Gentiles or Samaritans. Matthew has already told us of Christ's heart in ministry to Gentiles. Remember in chapter 8, we saw the Roman centurion's servant, this Gentile centurion, this soldier who had a servant, and Jesus ministered to him and healed the servant. So certainly he wasn't opposed to ministry to Gentiles. And when he, he crossed over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, he went into Gentile territory, and there he cast out uh, a number of demons from these two men who very likely were Gentile men. Later in the Great Commission, at the end of Matthew, we read that Jesus ordered his disciples to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, meaning the Gentile nations. And concerning Samaritans, Jesus wasn't opposed to evangelizing Samaritans. We know from, from John's Gospel in chapter 4 that the Lord went out of His way to have an evangelistic conversation with a Samaritan woman, and that conversation resulted in her entire village coming to, to know about Jesus. And in Christ's final words to His apostles before ascending to, to heaven from, off of the Mount of Olives, He specifically told them to, to be witnesses, notice this, in Judea, He said starting in Jerusalem and Judea, and moving to Samaria. And then He said to the remotest part of the earth, but don't neglect Samaria. So our Lord is not opposed to ministry and evangelism to Gentiles and Samaritans. But the, these uh, instructions have to be seen as only temporary and for a brief short-term missions trip. But that still doesn't tell us why at this point Jesus said, don't go to the Gentiles and don't go to the Samaritans. Why the Jewish people? Well, I think there are a couple of reasons. First of all, there is a theological reason. The focus of Christ's earthly ministry was Israel. It was not the Gentiles. It was not Samaritans. He did minister to certain individuals who were Gentiles and Samaritans, but he came to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. John tells us he came unto his own, meaning he came to the Jewish people. They were the chosen people that God had made a covenant with. In fact, several covenants with. And there were specific covenant promises that the Lord is bound to keep because His Word is true and He's faithful. And therefore, they held a special place in God's plan. And they've always held a special place in God's plan. Therefore, it was only fitting that, that Jesus send His men out into ministry to those people that He had been sent to minister to because they were an extension of His work. So that's the theological reason. There is another reason why Jesus at first sent his disciples to minister only to Jews. But our time is running out, so we will consider that in our next verse-by-verse -verse radio Bible class. Our instructor is Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel. 
Lakeside is in Clearwater, Florida, and Pastor Steve has been serving there for more than 26 years. His expository or verse-by-verse teaching ministry is now expanded to include these daily classes. Today's class was the first part of a three-part message, and it begins a series of messages focusing on the instructions that Jesus gave His disciples for a short-term missions trip. If you would like to hear this entire message at once, it is available on CD or cassette. Please call us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will return your call during weekday office hours so that you can place your order. That number again, 727-441-1714. To hear this program again or to catch up on previous ones, please visit our website, versebyverseradio.org. You can listen online or download the file to listen later. You will also find more information on the website about Pastor Steve and about Verse by Verse Ministries. The web address again is versebyverseradio.org. Verse by Verse Ministries is a faith ministry supported by the prayers and gifts of listeners who are first faithful to their own local churches. If you are a Christ follower, God has a ministry in mind for you, maybe more than one. There are three biblical principles that we have to know and follow if we want God. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.